podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Good morning, friends. It is great to join with you today to be here worshipping again back in this setting of lockdown here in Melbourne. And I know we probably all have a mix of emotions right now. There's hope that it's only a few days, but here we are doing the old things again, uh, meeting via the internet and distanced from one another. And there's a mix of emotions that we will have in this setting. And I just want, to, I just want you to know it's okay. We'll be okay. Things will continue to move and we will get through this moment of life. And actually I was reflecting um, a lot, as we all have been uh, over these last few days, and COVID is just a cover for what is normal in life. There is nothing all that different that is happening in this season to what happens in every moment of life. We go through disappointment. We make plans. They do work out sometimes, they don't at other times. This season is just a cover for what always happens in life. And so the question is, who are we meant to be as the people of God in the season of life that we were in? Whether it's COVID or anything else, actually what is happening is just the same. We are called to be a people that live in these seasons, live in these uncertain times, live in the midst of uncertainty and brokenness, and to be a people that live with hope to be a people of transformation. And so the scripture that we're going to read today, I want to just open up with you because I believe what I'd planned to say on Thursday is exactly what we need to enter into today as the world in our Melbourne changed over the last few days. So I just want to invite you to receive God's word today with an open heart, not consumed about what's happening in COVID, but knowing that this is just a reality of life every day, no matter what the season might be. So let's jump in. Uh, But before we do, I just have a bit of a a fun story to share with you. I was joking with some of my colleagues uh, a few weeks ago that we're going to preach through the book of 1 Peter. And uh, I actually opened up my Bible and found that I'd lost 1 Peter out of my Bible. It had fallen out. And I was going to really struggle to preach through 1 Peter. If I opened it up, I only had 2 Peter in my Bible. It wasn't going to float. Well, Uh, My colleague said that's either because I thought the 1 Peter wasn't valid and I counted and said, no, no, I love this book. I've used it so much, it's just fallen out of my Bible. Uh, We moved house yesterday, so perfect timing, I know, to move house. And I was going through a bunch of papers that we were about to throw out, destined for the bin, and what do you know, I found it. 1 Peter, in the pile of papers to go, perfectly torn by my daughter in two pieces, So I can preach to you today from 1 Peter. Here it is for us today. I felt like a scholar who had come across a long lost version of the Bible. And here we go. So open your Bibles. I will read my version with you to 1 Peter. We're going to read um, today, just want to read a few verses from verse 8, picking up on some of what Alan spoke about last week. Uh, And so I'm going to read from verse 8 a few verses before what we had um, planned to today. From verse 8 it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. That is Jesus. Though you've not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation 
of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Handy to have a book. (laughs) When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you, by those who, who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, we live in this time, as, as Peter says, where, where we are between some great moments, a time that was prophesied and spoken about and, and imagined and dreamed what it would be to live like in this moment for centuries before the coming of Jesus. And Alan gave us this amazing picture last week of we live like we are on the Golden Gate Bridge and there's two great pillars that we live between. First, there's the pillar of the coming of Jesus, the coming of salvation, of restoration, of forgiveness, of salvation and healing that we cling to, that we hold on, that we live in hope with and then we live towards a second great pillar which is the fulfilment of this promise. Revelation, when life truly is made whole by him and we live on the road that runs between, on the span that runs between these two great pillars kind of an existence that's like a now but not yet. We experience the hope and the salvation and the forgiveness of Jesus, but we still live in a world of brokenness. We still live in a world where there's disease. We still live in a world where there's hurt and pain. And so we're not quite there at the final pillar of the promise that it all will be made whole and right and there will be ultimate forgiveness and healing and restoration. We live on the span of this bridge. And so what do we do? How do we live our lives? Well, Peter says that this is such a critical moment of life, such a critical moment of history to live in, that even the angels look on in awe at what it is that you and I experience. He paints this picture that it's like a stadium of witnesses, a stadium of fans watching you live your life, cheering you on. I don't know about you, but my life doesn't feel all that interesting sometimes. Why would a bunch of angels want to watch my life and be paying attention to what I am doing? And you see, it's not the fact that the bridge exists, that there's two pillars and that you and I live our lives out in between these two pillars that amazes the angels. Peter says it's, it's what God is calling us to be, what God is doing in us, that he's awe-inspiring, that he's fascinating that has this crowd of witnesses engaged and watching us, cheering us on. Because we are called to be a people of transformation, a people of hope, a people of change in this world. While we live between these two great pillars, we are to be the people that bring about transformation and change and hope by the power of the Holy Spirit into this world. And not only are we to be the people that bring it into the world, we are to ourselves experience it, to ourselves be transformed and changed. 
to experience this promise before it's actually realized of ultimate restoration in the world. This is what engages the angels. This is what fascinates them. And this is what you and I are invited to leave in. So how do we do it? Do we just try harder? Do we just try and live better and better lives and that somehow will, will make us be a transformed people? Or is there something more? Because if we are to be a people that both experience change and bring change into our own lives, into our families, into our work settings, our churches, our society as a whole, if we're to do this, it's going to take more than just some hard work to see that happen. And so Peter, in these verses, gives us three simple ideas, three ways to position ourselves and live our lives on the span of this bridge so that we become a people of change that we experience change and bring change into this world. So the three things that I want to talk to you about today is number one, be alert. Number two, be an obedient child. And number three, be holy. First of all, be alert. I find it fascinating that in verse 13 and 14, Peter feels the need to say the same thing twice. You know, whenever someone in Scripture feels the need to say something twice, it's kind of code for them saying, you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not going to get this. I know you think you will, but I'm going to have to say it twice just to grab your attention. Peter says, first of all, be alert and be of sober mind. And then he says, do not live in ignorance. Peter's telling us that although we think we get it, although we think we understand, although we think that we're right and we know how the world works, to stop and pay attention a little bit more. Be alert. Be of a sober mind. Don't be ignorant. Friends, you and I know that we hold whatever belief we hold because we think that we're right. Imagine if you met someone who held a belief but also at the same time believed that that belief was wrong. That would be confusing and baffling. We hold the beliefs that we hold because we think they're the right thing. Now, at times we might be open to change, but if you are convinced of a certain idea, you're convinced that you're right. And therefore... You and I are susceptible to being fooled. You and I are susceptible to thinking we're right, to thinking we've got things sorted out. But actually, we've conned ourselves, we've seduced ourselves into a particular idea that's not actually the reality, that's not actually truth. We just think it is. And Peter is telling us to be aware to be alert, to be of a sober mind and to not live in ignorance, to not just think that because it's my idea and because I think I'm right, then I am actually right, that I'm living my life the way that I'm meant to live or I've got the opinions or values that are what I'm meant to hold. Be alert, be of a sober mind and don't live in ignorance. And I think what Peter is really pushing towards the church at his time, towards a society where Jesus is not honoured, is not not sought after, is not chased, and, and maybe a society just like what we experience in, in our world around us, a society that might tolerate Jesus but isn't really intently seeking after him. Peter says, be aware of what's normal in society around you. Be aware of normal because it's very easy for normal to seep into your life, to seep into how you live to seep into how you speak and how you interact and everything that you do. Be aware of normal. Because just because something is normal doesn't mean that it's helpful. 
It doesn't mean that it's bringing life and wholeness to your, to your life. Be aware of normal. Because if normal worked, we'd live in a utopia. Everything would be perfect. Everything would be sorted in our lives. But clearly normal doesn't actually work. Clearly normal doesn't bring us what we hope for, what we long for, what we desire. Normal in our society brings all sorts of dysfunction, all sorts of brokenness, all sorts of hurt. So just because you're practicing what's normal, just because you might say to yourself, well, everyone does this, so why wouldn't I do it too? Why wouldn't I have this sort of frustration or, or this reaction to this way of life? Just because it's normal doesn't mean it's helpful. If we're to live as people of transformation and change between these two great pillars of human history. We're going to be a people who are not seduced by normal, but who are alert, who live with a sober mind, who, who judge, who are aware of what's happening around us, and who are willing to step out of ignorance into health and into life, be alert and be of sober mind rather than living in ignorance. And then Peter says, and be like obedient children. Be like obedient children. Now, I've, I've, I've got to say, I, I kind of had wondered this week, why does Peter choose to use obedient children uh, in, this, in this moment? He could have just said live in obedience, but when he adds the children part, I, like, just between me and you, like there's, there's no one here, it's just me and you, so we'll keep this between us. If you didn't add the children bit, I'd feel okay, because as a parent of a toddler, an obedient child is, is a fleeting, nebulous, difficult thing to capture. Obedience doesn't always define how we live in our house. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my toddler. She's amazing. She's intelligent. She's smart. She's funny. She can do incredible things. I, I, she's a really, really good kid. But obedient children is this difficult thing to nail down. Why doesn't Peter just say be obedient or be an obedient adult? And that would be easier to make sense of. Well, you know, I am amazed as a parent of how little you are born with how little you enter into this world with. You don't even know you've got hands, let alone how to use them. And so everything you do in your life beyond that, everything you do as an adult, you've had to learn at some point. You've had to be shown, you've had to be educated, you've had to learn how to do it. Everything beyond using your hands, you learn at some point in your life. We don't come into the world with some manual that tells us, some inbuilt program telling us what is right and wrong, what the difference between truth and falsehood is. We don't have that. And so the only way we learn obedience, the only way we learn right and wrong is by trial and error. You don't get any other way to become obedient. And so when kids are playing up, they, they, they just got to learn through trial and error what is right and wrong. Because in my home and your home, right and wrong might be two different things. We need to learn what obedience looks like. And so when a child makes a mistake, when they rip your Bible to pieces or they throw your watch in the toilet, they're learning the difference between right and wrong. That's what the journey of obedience looks like. Obedience is not that I'm perfect. Sorry, let me say that again. Being an obedient child is not, an, is not a picture of perfection. If Peter was to say be obedient, that may be a picture of perfection. But he doesn't say that. He says be an obedient child. Take on the posture of someone who is learning 
who is growing, who is developing, who is getting it right, who is transforming and changing in your life. Friends, you do not need to be perfect to follow Jesus. You do not need to be perfect to be a transforming influence in this world. You do not need to be perfect to experience transformation and change in your life. That is not the call of Jesus over you. No, he calls us to be like obedient children, to grow, to learn, to begin to understand and then to change as we gain this new knowledge. To, to say things like, I didn't realise that throwing the watching the toilet would break it. But now that I know, I won't do it again. At least I now know and I learnt that so I understand why you asked me not to do it. This is the picture of obedience and this is the call over us as the followers of Jesus, being an obedient child. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have it all together. So be alert. Don't be ignorant. Take in and, and test and assess what's happening in the world around you and take the posture of an obedient child, seeking to learn and grow and change as you live through your life. And finally, Peter says, be holy. Now, holiness has a bad rap in our society in our time. In our time. Holiness is, is something that we misunderstand and we tend to associate holiness with the phrase holier than thou. Like, if I'm holy, I'm better than you. And, and, and I'm, I'm snobby and I'm judging and I'm above you. And, and we judge holiness, we think of it in relation to the actions and decisions that you make. But holiness is actually not about that. Holiness is not judged by your decisions and your actions, but holiness is judged by your heart. It's your heart that determines holiness. Let me give you a definition. A definition of, of holiness for us today. Holiness is the desire to please God rather than appease God. Let me say that again. Holiness is a desire to please God rather than appease Him. Appeasing is, is about actions, it's about decisions, it's about what's happening on the outside of my life, whereas pleasing is about my heart. It's about the preset desire of how I live my life. You know, it's a sad, sad thing when in any kind of loving relationship, one or both of the parties decide to start appeasing the other person, appeasing them rather than pleasing them. In a marriage, if one partner wants to appease, then that marriage is on a slippery slope downhill. In a parent-child relationship, if all the child or the parent is trying to do is appease the other, that's not a healthy functioning relationship. In any loving relationship, if we seek to start appeasing the other person, we actually begin to tear away at the fabric of what a loving relationship looks like because appeasing is about getting you off my back. Appeasing is about doing whatever I can do, the minimum requirement to keep you at a distance, to keep you at arm's length, so that you would at least just be happy with how I appear that I could say to you, well, what's your problem? I've done everything you wanted me to do, then you know, what's, what's the issue here? But a loving relationship is about more than that. A loving relationship is about more than just what I do, the external appearance of how I live my life. It's about something moving in my heart. 
And if we live trying to appease one another, all we do is cover and hide and cloak our true desires. Appeasing is actually about masking who I really am and keeping that protected and, and hidden rather than seeking after you. And often when all we do is seek to appease the other, it, it leaks, it breaks out, it comes out in dysfunctional ways eventually. When accountability is down or something else is, is missing, when all we seek to do is appease, then it, our true intentions break out. But we are called to be a people that don't just appease God, but please him and are pleased by him. Holiness is a condition of the heart. That we would be pleased by God. We would be pleased by his presence. Pleased to know him and experience him and live with him. And we would seek to please him with our lives. We wouldn't just do what he says because we're forced to or we're asked to or, or it would look good. No, it's a genuine desire of the heart that we seek to live our lives in a way that would please and honour him. This is what it looks like to be a people of transformation and change and, and hope in this world because out of this heart, change happens. Behavioural decisions and actions flow, but it's not the decisions and the actions that judge us as holy. It's the preset of the heart. Don't get the two confused. Holiness is about a decision in my heart, in your heart, to want to please God, to want to honour him, to want to lift him up in this world. And when our heart is aligned with him, all sorts of good transformational work can take hold of our lives. This is who we are called to be. As we live on the span between these two great pillars of forgiveness, of grace, of hope, of restoration, of salvation, and of the fulfilment of this promise, of all that is to come, of life in all of its glory. We live on the span of the bridge between these two pillars and this is who we are called to be as Jesus' people. A people who are alert, a people who are aware and not ignorant. A people who choose to take the posture of an obedient child, looking to change, looking to grow, looking to transform and a people of holiness with our hearts set on a desire to please God. When you and I live our lives in this way, transformation takes hold. It takes hold in us. It takes hold in our families. It takes hold in our vocational settings, our workplaces. It takes hold in our churches and in our society. When we live this way, change is brought into this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a great stadium of angels watch on and cheer and go wild as they see this playing out in our world. Friends, I want to pray for you in just one moment. And some of us have never experienced what it's like to live in this kind of transformation, to live in this hope, to experience this kind of change in our lives. Friend, this is your moment. This is your time. Jesus lived died and rose again to offer you this kind of transformation, this kind of hope in your life. Accept it now. Open your heart and your life to him and allow him to bring this kind of hope and transformation into your life. 
And some of us, as you're hearing my words today, are realizing, hey, I, I haven't been living in sober judgment. I've been living in ignorance. I've followed the patterns of normal because that's what everybody did. But I need to take a step back. I need to take the posture of an obedient child. I need to consider what does holiness look like in my life. Well, friend, I just want you to receive this prayer. It's no condemnation. But now that you know, you know. This is the posture of an obedient child. Step into it and receive what God has for you today. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that you're a God who loves, who restores, who forgives. And Lord, we are a people who are in desperate need of that kind of love. As we navigate the complexities of our lives on this span between two great pillars of life, Father, have mercy. Lead us and guide us in this season. This weekend in our beautiful city, we're thrown into turmoil again, but Father, we know that you are present. We know that you are sovereign. We know that you are here and we will be okay. So Father, some of us for the first time right now, we seek to open our hearts and receive from you. Jesus, thank you that you came, you lived, you died and you rose again for us. We accept your grace and your mercy today. Forgive us for our brokenness and lead us into your saving hope in this world. And others, God, we seek to be a people that receive from you this transformation we've been following you we've been living after you but today we just want to rewrite some things in our heart we want to be a people of holiness not because we are greater or better or or anything judged by our actions but because our heart is set on a desire to please you and be pleased by you lord make us a holy people today make us a holy church make us a holy nation father we address the preset of our heart and seek after you and lead us in the way of what true childhood obedience looks like not because we're forced or we have to but Father because we gladly receive we gladly seek after you and are learning and are growing and are becoming the women and the men that you ask us to be God we thank you for this moment we thank you for this truth from 1 Peter Speak to us now. Speak to us in worship and lead us as we move through this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.